Hi. Um, hi. Welcome. To... Hi. Shut up. Here we go. He's going to get it by the 101st episode. Like, I okay. think once 100 is done, he will have it number. down. That's the magic number. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Hello, you two. Hi, everyone. Happy 100th episode. Yay. Happy Happy birthday to us. We made it through the rain. Four complete seasons of variable amount of episodes each season at a seemingly random (laughs) released situation. We did it. Congratulations to us. We survived this long to the next 100. To the next 100. Um, So before we jump into all the festivities, what's been up, Jason? I went to the dentist. I really enjoyed the dentist. Between last week and this week, as listeners heard, I won't dwell on it, but I got married and like the past week has just God, been. You can't the, shut up about it. <laughs> it. I just feel like it's been nice. It's been. I feel relaxed. The dentist was nice. Like, I don't know. I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. So, in a story about your dentist, you brought up your marriage. It's so heterosexist. Do <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I what I mean? Like, to a why would that have to be heterosexist? No, it's just like I know what I know what the I know what you're saying. Oh, even the dentist is fun as long as you're married to a woman. Very homophobic. <laughs> You are that China doll that used to complain, or that porcelain doll that used to complain. People are. Oh, I'm so sorry for offending you, Chris. I'm super psyched that you're married. I I really am, actually. I really do think it's cool. I don't. I I just don't know why anyone would do it anymore. But congratulations. All right. Uh, Thank you. I guess. Yeah. Let's just leave it there. All right. Okay. How are you doing, Chris? I'm gonna be really honest about something. I'm bored. So bored. I'm I'm completely locked into like a middle school summer vacation experience. I wake up every day. I look around my room and be like, well, what, what do I play with today? Like, who's around? Like, should I go outside? Should I ride my bike? Without any work and after exhausting all my hobbies, I've just run out of things to do. I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop. That's how I'm doing. So I've, I've been seeing a lot of my neighborhood walking around. That's been fantastic. You know, I think I mentioned earlier, I was cooking a lot more. Uh, I'm certainly cleaning my apartment more. Like I I love sweeping the floor. Like this is who I've become. I love sweeping. I, I'll see a little dirt on the floor and I'll be like, oh, got to sweep it up. That's... You're a Buddhist monk. You're enjoying the little things. That's, I love it. That's great. The highlight of my day. The highlight of my day is when I sweep every corner of the apartment into a nice dust pile. And I'm like, where did that dust come from? I literally swept two hours ago. Well, <laughs> I guess I'll be I'll be sweeping two hours from now. And it's just sweep, sweep, sweep. Trisha, any, any new crazy hobbies you've come up with? <laughs> dusting, dusting. <laughs> As I was saying, I went outside and went to a doctor. I've been po- postponing all of my doctor's appointments, but I decided to ha- accept one. Everyone was wearing a mask, went in quickly, tried to avoid touching anything, Light, nice bit of social distancing. It was very um, painless. I will say this doctor, 
I mean, all your biases come out, right? So it's like you want to pick a doctor who's going to be thoughtful and who's going to um, who's going to really understand you. Particularly as a woman, you want to find a really good doctor who's not going to ignore you. Sure. And I will say, I mean, in my small sample size, I've had two women doctors and this one male doctor, but he was Caribbean. And he's the one that got it right. He was the one that was the least aggressive about surgeries. He was like, we need to figure this out without putting you under a knife. Meanwhile, the other two doctors like, how can we open you up? When I'm trying to find a doctor, I really am thoughtful about sort of like who's going to be thinking about me as a woman of color and not working with these weird prescripts in their minds about what I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to be. And it's been a really difficult road to find a really good doctor. I have to say, finding a good doctor in general is really hard. You go by recommendations. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is you spend so little time with a doctor. By the time you don't feel listened to or heard or taken care of, you're like, you're like three, four visits in. I had a doctor for like 15 years. <laughs> and With horrible Chris. He never took you seriously. I mean, listen. <laughs> okay, but you know what? He was never wrong. I'd go in and be like, I'm, I'm bleeding from my eyes. I can't sleep at night. Uh, I think I'm a vampire. I drink blood. He'd be like, you're fine. You're fine. Just, it's, it's nothing. But, and then I'd go home and go to sleep and wake up and feel fine. So he was never really wrong. <laughs> Sounds like a placebo effect. That's what but I, I never like. really felt like he was really listening to me. But again, I, could, I say that, right? But I mean, he was 100% right. I was fine. <laughs> all the time <laughs> I don't know what the problem was he's like you're fine i don't know why doctors are so busy they have no time to talk to you well you know what uh, can i tell you about nurse practitioners by the way that's the I way love to go nurse practitioners but can I you're saying you? that because your mom's a nurse practitioner well, so yes and she's log awesome. rolling yeah i know can i tell you the, the mystery of my disappeared doctor i had a doctor who i loved and she was like i'm gonna be gone for a while and then she simply <laughs> stopped receiving patients and then I got it I get a letter formally telling me that it's time for me to find a new doctor she just never came back and they never <gasps> she broke up with you no I think she well she broke up with everybody she just or never did she no not in <laughs> anything I know right I wish I wish I mean, it's like that person who said, I'm, 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 I'm leaving the country. We can't date anymore. And then yeah. the next week they're in the supermarket. Right? And you're like, um, oh my God, you're going to bump into your doctor and be like, so doctor, what are you doing now? And she'll be like, uh, nothing. Well, I, mean, I tell you, it was traumatizing because she had a good sense of humor. She was a little bit like what your doctor was. She's like, are we sure that this is a problem? I mean, she had a really good, good bedside manner. But yeah, I mean. How do you balance like. Well, I don't know. I don't know if there's a question for the podcast, but I, I I need to figure out a way to balance like is my doctor listening to me or are they just really psychic with x-ray vision and they can they know there's nothing wrong. Like I don't like to be treated like a hypochondriac, right? But also I don't want every single one of my medical fears uh, entertained. So <laughs> just, yeah. I, I want someone to seize me and seize that balance. Now that's, so. that's asking well, for the impossible yeah. now. Well, now you're looking I, like you're looking for a date. I don't know how <laughs> No, I, I have two two things to say about doctors. One is I had a great doctor when I lived in Columbia, Maryland, and then I moved to D.C. and I was like, oh, I got to get a new doctor. And I did not have a good experience trying to find a new doctor. And I don't know, several months ago, I was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. A doctor is worth traveling for. So now I travel like 30 minutes to go to my old doctor because 
Wow. He's great. Wow. You know what? I would disagree. I would. What, what, what do you mean you disagree? Like, my doctor's like an hour away. I really like the doctor <sighs> I had. No, I really like the doctor I had when I lived by the beach. But that's a full okay. night. Okay. I don't think I can do it. I, I disagree. I, listen, what you is, know what? What do you disagree with? What are you talking about? Listen, my doctor, who I was talking about before, uh, worked in Soho, works in Soho. And I do not live anywhere near downtown. It's all fine and good because, like, I work down there, so it was convenient. Like, I'd leave work to go see him. But when I'm actually sick, like, I had the flu and or something like the flu, and he was like, you should come in to see me. And I was like, the thought of getting on the train and traveling for 50 minutes, like, going up and down stairs, like, there was no way. I could barely crawl from here to the toilet. Like, there was no way I was going to get to see him. And then he's like, you know, I also do house calls because, of course, he does house calls. Like, he's like a very rich doctor who has an office in Soho. But I, there's no way I could afford that house call. So now it's like, I want a doctor that's within, like, an Uber ride of here that would cost me less than $20. Yeah, I just, when I get that sick, I can, I feel fine going to urgent care. But I, I want to say one other thing be- before. Uh, I know someone has a lot of money. And he was saying that he had a doctor who sometime in the past year or two, and I think this is becoming more of a phenomenon, the doctor decided he had wealthy enough patients, he was just going to charge a small set of patients a lot of money, not take insurance anymore. And so this friend of mine was like, what I'm about to say is not good for our society. But he's like, my doctor, I'm the one trying to leave the office in terms of how long he spends with me. Like he spends so much time with me. I get so much care. I can get him on the phone anytime and actually speak to him. And he's like, I, I didn't go looking for this. He's like, I, I used him back before he did this. But now I think it's called like, you know, VIP treatment or something. But Gross. he was like, this Gross. Yeah, he was like, he was like, this is bad for our society. But like, I'm getting such good. But care. is it really bad for our society if we could figure out a model so that such that we all do that? That is not, it's not impossible. You would need so many doctors and so much money to pay all those doctors. I don't understand the complexity of the system enough. I'll preface it by saying that, but I long for that. I long for the idea that I can simply just pay you like I would pay a therapist or I would pay it. Just can I come see you? Have you use your doctor skills? Give you, give me your undivided attention for 30 minutes. No, I hear you. I, there are 20, <laughs> 20 reasons why our system is not set up that way, unfortunately, but I am, yeah. I am with you. <laughs> so this is our 100th episode. We really have been doing this for four years, believe it or not. I cannot believe it. It blows my mind. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to reflect on why we're doing this, how we started doing this, and like where we're going with it, just as a way to wrap up the season and, and just ca- cap off like an amazing run for us uh something that i'm very proud of so i just wanted to because i'm not sure people are clear about this like how this started trisha do you want to talk about it because it was your idea your idea trisha how dare it's you your fault we're in really this damn what do you mean how dare we what <laughs> i mean i didn't even think was this my idea i mean a lot oh, of ideas come from me so okay this is trick i mean listen y'all i had the idea of nap centers Okay, this is not a, an opportunity for you to seek invest, <laughs> investors for your nap centers. Okay, can we want to keep a really tight focus on what we're talking? About? So I think I think this was really I think what happened was we used to get together on these phone calls and just chit chat, and oftentimes we'd have different opinions. 
we maybe banter back and forth, maybe get into some tussles. And we're like, you know what? It would be really great for us to have a structured way for us to have these conversations, but in a respectful manner. Not in that, like, we're going to get on here and scream at each other and no one knows exactly what, what points of view we were trying to get across and where we were landing. That's my recollection of how we how the inspiration for the podcast started. Was that what was that was that what it was? We were, had a long chat, and you had said to me like, "Oh, we should people be interested in hearing this." I was like, "No one's going to be interested in hearing this," but I I think you had leaned into the idea of like this is how conversation should happen between people with different viewpoints, and we should do it. And at the time, it was you and me, and you're like, "We should ask Jason to do it." I said, "Jason's not going to want to do this," and then. <laughs> Then I did not tell Jason about the idea for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I will preface it by saying, audience, after like watching a segment of people just screaming at each other yeah. on one of these talk shows. And I was like, why are you screaming? Can't you just get you, your point across calmly? You felt, you felt very strongly about that, like about modeling how like friends should have conversations about these things. It's not just about shouting at people. I remember you saying that. And you're like, Jason would be great. I was like, Jason's not going to do this shit. Cut to two years later. I happen to be talking to Jason. Uh, and I say, oh, you know, Trisha had this idea about, you know, having a podcast where like talk about like maybe politics or whatever. And Jason just said immediately, I'm in. I'm two in. Two years I was like, late, Chris. I know. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize I, it would be that easy. I should have said something two years ago. Because <laughs> it's funny. I don't know if you have this. I don't know if people bring this up to you all when they listen to the podcast. It's like, are you all very, very different? I don't know if this model of people being so different that that's the value of engagement. Yeah, I don't know if there's I like don't value. understand that. Well, I want to get to that question. But Jason, I want to hear from you. Like when I called you, I was like, oh, you know, Trish had this idea two years ago. Like what, <laughs> what were you thinking when you were like, I'm in? You know, it's funny to hear what you just said, Tricia, about, you know, we, it, I think you both alluded to, like, conversations on the phone. What I was really excited to replicate, you know, my experience, I think back to when you two both lived in New York, and I would come up for big fun. If you remember that, that's always what I wanted to do, Jason, is come up fun. and have big fun. Jason um, would come up and just dump the responsibility of entertaining him on me. All right, Chris, I'm coming up. We have what's the big fun we that's planned? And where then it was going? like a whole night, which involved all sorts of bars or restaurants or dancing or all right. But the part <laughs> of those visits, actually not the big fun, but like what I recall is like just literally wandering around Manhattan all day and just talking about stuff. I don't know. I always loved our conversations because it was such a great combination of humor. We talked about some highbrow stuff. You two would make fun of people's outfits. But we just, were young. I, that just wasn't happening as much. Like we, none of us were in the same place. We were, you know, busy with our lives. And I thought the opportunity to, you know, schedule the conversations to make sure they actually happened. That was so attractive to me. And it that's what I still love. Like, and I love, I mean, now you talked about discipline, Trish. I mean, now we do it weekly and I love that. Like it's something to look forward to every week. And I know I'm going to enjoy the conversation. I know I'm going to be challenged. My ideas are going to be challenged and my thinking is going to be pushed. And that, that's why I was excited. And that's why I'm still excited. Revisiting Trisha's question, like, are we all so different? Which is, you know, when I talk to people about the podcast who listen, you know, I think in their minds, they try to make us really different. They're like, oh, you really went for Jason or like, 
or Trisha's so this and you're so this, like they try and give us like, like put us in like Harry Potter houses, like you're a this and you're a that. And I'm like, I, I was like, honestly, me, Trisha and Jason are actually extremely similar. Our overlap of our views is extraordinary. You don't need diametric opposition to have a good conversation about a topic, which I think our current media environment is like, is constantly putting out there. Like you can't have a topic unless you get both sides. You know, and maybe we were, maybe it was daytime talk show. Maybe it was like the Phil Donahue's and the Sally Jesse Raphael's where they'd get like, you know, a couple of black people, then members of the KKK and then, and then pretend like that's a conversation that (laughs) can happen. Well, I'm reminded when we were talking about what the name of this should be way back when, which I'm going to just, I want to cut you off. Yeah. So that was a group chat that we had and I saved it because it was hilarious uh-huh. and I will link it <laughs> in the notes of this episode. So it's really <laughs> funny trying to come up with the name. No, I look forward to looking at I, mean, I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember one of the names you suggested, Chris, was Liberal Orgy. And <laughs> I remember with that name, I was, I mean, that was, I, that was like, we did at moments have a concern. It wasn't a big concern, but like, are we going to have deferring views on things? I remember... I think the first time that I brought up, hey, let's talk about sports or sportsing, as Chris says, and like, you know, whether it's a distraction from important things, which is very interesting because we re- very recently had a conversation about that. And I remember, Chris, you responded saying, I'm not sure we're going to have different views on that. And it's interesting because just like you said, Chris, I totally agree. I mean, we all have very similar worldviews and, and agree on a lot of things. And yet, have spirited debate, like question different things, end up disagreeing on things. I, I think that's pretty cool. And I, I totally agree. It just shows that you can have good, meaningful debate, even among people, you know, with some similar values and similar outlooks. I just feel like I want to re redefine the notion that there has to be a side to everything. I think that that has been so destructive. This idea that, oh, well, I'm going to talk about our humanity. Well, great. I'm going to talk about the fact that we need to be more inhumane. I was like, "Mm, Mm. um, (laughs) that conversation (laughs) doesn't sound fun or productive. I've really been trying to come to terms with that because I've been thinking about just people talking about polarization and the state of polarization and what that why we are polarized and what that means. And I actually really do believe it's because we have offered up these camps for people to live in and to be entrenched in to the degree that like, if I can tell you that you're wrong or you're just off your rocker, then that means that I can hold more tightly to some other part. And so finding common ground, and I don't mean finding common ground with people who hate you. And it's not that I hate that idea, this notion of like, I don't care what you stand for. You're a human and I'm a human. I'm not sure if I quite agree with that because there's some ideas you stand for where my humanity comes into question. Yeah. So, but, but I still feel like we can, we can agree on our common humanity first and foremost, and still have points of, of differentiation and, but they don't have to be so stark. They don't have to be so wildly like crazy as I'm seeing nowadays, but I don't know. I just, I'm um, vibing with what you said about the fact that we've given people camps to live in. And it's easy, like, you know, Democrat, Republican, red state, blue state. And it's just really easy to fall back into like uh, a set of ideas that are that present themselves. And it really takes the onus off of you to come up with a coherent argument for believing what you believe, which is why I love doing this, because like I have to think through 
how to get my point across. And I, because we are similar and because we do have similar views, it's, it's not as easy being like, well, look, I'm a gay black dude. And then my arms are crossed and I'm like, speaks for itself. It doesn't. And I, I really have to really articulate. I have to articulate like what it is I'm trying to say, even if we're on the same side of something. And I think that's a, I think that's a lost art. And I remember <clears throat> Trisha, you were really serious about this when we started about that, like modeling that for people like, like, great. Like we're, I'm so psyched and a little freaked out when I see how many people like listen to this podcast, because I'm I just like, it's just the three of us doing what we've been doing for like literal decades. Um, and I hope it inspires people to go and have these conversations and press their their friends to have these conversations because I think it's really worthwhile, you know, especially in this moment in time when like when we should all be having conversations about things that we take for granted. Uh, have Have you gone back and listened to old episodes? I was doing a little bit of that today. Have you listened to old episodes? I do when my sister's doing like a review, like she gets delayed and so sometimes she'll put it on she'll have it on when she's she'll like clean up and stuff and so that's how i'll get old episodes and i'll be like oh my god whoa we sound great we sound so thoughtful you know or we'll be like "Ooh, that was a mess what were we saying (laughs) i was gonna say this is the end of the fourth season i was listening to first season episodes before jason had to take his sabbatical i don't know do you think that we have changed as far as I don't know, I don't necessarily mean viewpoint, but I mean the show. Let's talk about the show. Do you think the show has changed much since the beginning? Well, I definitely think Jason has changed. Oh, that yes. sounds juicy. That's exactly the kind of dirt I was hoping to get to <laughs> in this episode. What do you mean, Trish? Remember, Jason was always pushing for like a black utopia. And I was like, Jason, you can't be there. <laughs> 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 a black utopia necessarily means you are not present. I know, but it was like Jason was like ahead of the curve going, we need to just have black people be their own thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, and and also, you know what? Super hopeful. You were super hopeful. And so kind of like had this kind of notion of like the arc of what is this? What is justice bending in the right direction? Is that the line? But I feel like you've taken a, that that hopefulness and optimism has taken a hit in the last couple, the last couple months. I mean, it would necessarily be so. I mean, it is post twenty sixteen. We all yeah. we all knew. Yeah. It was yeah. <laughs> no, that is fair. I think that's right. I think I did have a fantasy of, even though in, at an intellectual level I knew like you know progress is not linear. I think I did have a fantasy that we're just kind of gradually moving in the right direction and past couple of years i've i've had my conviction shaken i still experience jason as fairly hopeful i always have since we were literal teenagers i've always experienced jason as being very like vision oriented and hopeful and looking just over what's next so i don't think that's changed i mean i i do think still fundamentally i'm hopeful but like for much of my life i have believed that kind of if you do a b c and d you get to this great place and like both me as an individual, my individual life, as well as kind of at a macro level, you know, we elect president Obama, we pass these better policies and things, you know, go in this direction. And I think I don't know the path anymore. I used to believe in a roadmap and I think I've come to the understanding that, that, that is a fantasy. I, again, I still am ultimately hopeful, but I don't know how we're going to get there. And I'm really Mm -hmm. discouraged by some of the challenges we have run into. Trisha, how do you think you've changed over the past 
Oh, I was going to tell you how you've changed. <laughs> oh, great. All right. <laughs> do you Let her do, do it, and then we'll gang up on Trisha. Go ahead. Trisha. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I think that you've gotten more radical, Chris. Yeah, I completely you've agree. You've totally radicalized. I've, I've become a radical, militant black. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I... <laughs> that used to be college, but you, you switched it up. <laughs> No, that's, yeah, that's true. You know, that is a great point, Trisha. And I've thought a little bit about this, but yeah, I, Chris, I think there were times where I felt like you would provide explanations for things that a lot of us would say, well, that's just, you know, a, a racial problem. That's there's racism behind that. And you often were resistant to that. And I totally agree, Trisha. I feel like in the past year or two, you are much quicker to call it you know that's racism that's anti-blackness oh god i th i hope it's longer than the last year or two <laughs> <laughs> no i think it's been gradual but i think in the i think in the past couple i mean even the questions you i mean uh, that we had a text exchange some months ago where you were like why do private schools want to have black kids on the covers anti-blackness would say they wouldn't want any black kids there like <laughs> i don't see you saying that five years ago <laughs> i'm not saying you're right or wrong but it's just that's a that is a different outlook i think you know, I grew up in an all-white neighborhood, and all my friends were white. The only black people I knew were Jamaican, first of all, which is a particular experience, and they were all related to me, or, you know, quote-unquote, cousins. I think that I had a real education about integrating with white people, because although I had white friends growing up, I didn't and, and I don't know how to explain this quickly, right, because this is not a four-hour podcast about me, but I don't know how to explain this quickly, but like, the world when I was growing up was really different. So either I was with my friends in the neighborhood or I was with my family and my cousins like in the Bronx or Brooklyn or they'd come over. So those two worlds never really interacted. The only overlap was really me, me entering into the white world. It wasn't until I got to college that I had to interact with the white world on its terms, you know, and with no retreat. And I think that was the beginning of my radicalization. <laughs> um, I remember meeting Trisha in college and Trisha was already radical. Trisha was slapping people in the face. She was she was doing. <laughs> Trisha was, hasn't changed. That's what. Yes, we're Trisha was physically attacking <laughs> white women. Don't say you weren't, Trisha. Don't say you weren't. Is there a real story? She really slapped. There's a real the story. As a matter of fact, caller, are you there? <laughs> you would die. You would imagine I got her on the phone. You would die. Uh, <laughs> it's a whole long story. But the short part is that uh, this girl said something Trisha didn't like, and Trisha slapped her right in her goddamn face. Um, so yeah, I, I think I've definitely become more radicalized, but also I think I've become more vocal about just calling these things out because I'm older and I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired, <laughs> and I'm tired of I'm tired of people being mealy mouthed and talking out the corner of their mouth about their homophobia or transphobia or racism it's like listen i'm just going to acknowledge this so we don't have to talk about it anymore like i get it you have racist ideas and like what do you want to do about that so yeah i would say that now let's talk about trisha <laughs> first of all everyone comes here to listen to you because <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah everyone's team trisha uh i haven't i've met a single person who listens to this podcast that is team chris it hurts my feelings deeply. It should. <laughs> <laughs> You're a masochist and you just keep doing so it. So crazy. 
so crazy. Why do I show up every week? I know. I mean, this this podcast was your idea. So I think so much of it is you and the way that you approach things. And I have certainly learned from you about how to have conversations like this. And I notice that I pressure people in my life to have conversations like the three of us have conversations here. <laughs> it doesn't always go very well. I, I don't know how I would say that you've changed. I've been listening to old episodes and you're pretty consistent. I you've feel been, the same way. You've I, been I, very consistent. I would not say that you've changed. I can't think of a way that you've changed. I think I've changed in the sense that I used to have these conversations with people. Remember, that was my thing, right? My Other people? Was- Yeah, my jam was like, I need to have this conversation. I need to have this dialogue. And I have to say, in this moment of people posting on Facebook and like having these come to Jesus moments with their friends, it hasn't really happened with me. There was a point in time when I felt like it was my duty and my job to change people's minds. And I was having these really exhausting conversations. And then I think I sort of retreated a little bit because one of the things I realized is retreated. that- Retreated. Um, you like full like airline eject seat out of it. <laughs> I remember that. You full hit a button. You were like, fuck everyone. I remember <laughs> that. You were done. <laughs> but I think what I realized was I, was I wanted a space for me to have these have the dialogue, but I didn't take on the labor anymore. And I really took that labor to heart when I was in college. I thought it was my job to transform every interaction with a person. It was my task, all of that. I don't really do that anymore. I don't give it for free, which is weird. I'm like, I put it in a podcast format. I have other podcasts where we talk about different things. And I'm like, this is the way I'm going to organize my experience with you. And I'm going to share what I think. But unless we are sort of intimate friends, you don't really get access to my labor in the same way. And so, it's yeah, I, I read it's people. very healthy. Do you, I mean, it's, it's had to have become, right? Because remember, I was a fairly codependent person. But I think now when I look on people's, the perfect example is I look on people's Facebook timelines and they're saying really inappropriate things. And I go, hmm, is this a relationship that I need to maintain or have? Is this person in my innermost circle? And if they are not, I just go, okay, let that float on by. Now, if they are, I feel like it, there's something I may have to do and I may have to communicate. Other, other than that, I just don't know. I just don't think that that's the kind of labor that we should be doing with people. I don't know. That's, that's a weird thing. I've, I have had a shift about that. I think you have to let people come to things on their own. Mm-hmm. I, and that sounds I think, really But odd. I think you've been in that space before the podcast. I think you yeah. came to this space. Like I said, I remember in college specifically having a conversation where I was like, we need to explain to the white people this, that, and the other. You're like, fuck these white people. You're like, they they can do the work. We do the work, they do the work. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, that's literally me in every Zoom meeting today. (laughs) Explain the work. (laughs) No, not even. Just being like, you know what, white people? (laughs) Do the work. (laughs) Quoting Trisha circa 19 whatever. Yeah, it's been such an evolution. I own the assumption that people make about black women, which is that we're a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and that we um have really difficult standards, high standards, whatever those things mean. Complicated lives. That's what it is. Black women have complicated lives because the intersectionality of that is. <laughs> Looking back, can you remember like specific episodes, like specific topics that stick out to you? I was I was looking at a list of things we talked about. First of all, the things that we've talked about the most has been shocker, the education system. Yeah comedy and what's funny the n-word 
And I think there was one more, but those are the top three. We've talked about comedy and what's funny three times in a hundred episodes, which to me feels like way too much. But, but what were some of your favorite topics, if you can recall, or, or just topics that stick out in your mind? I was just listening back to season one, episode seven, which is when we talked about prostitution. I like that. I liked our conversation about that. It did. It was not. It did not go the way I expected. One of the things I remember is uh, we had a conversation about Pat Buchanan before the election, writing about the appeal of Trump, and I thought he made a very, very compelling argument for why people might be drawn to Trump. Mm-hmm. And at that time, people had been sort of like pushing back at it. Oh no, nobody's voting for Trump. It was that time where people were like, oh no, there's nothing that this man is doing and saying. And we had this conversation and I remember us all saying, oh my gosh, I hope he's not right. Or, and then Jason being, I think Jason said something like, I kind of hear what you're saying, Trish. And, and then it was like proven to be true. Like there was a story that he was telling about America and people's conceptualizations of America that really did resonate. The topics that stand out to me are all about sex, which <laughs> that's about me. But we had a conversation about sex and sex education as far mm-hmm. as I think my point at the time was about a lot of kids get their sex education from pornography. Yeah. And so what does that mean? What does that mean for us as a society? Like as far as from the educative piece, like what, what burden does that put on the education system? And what burden does that put on pornographers? For us to understand, like, that's how people are getting their information. And then we had a a conversation recently about nudity in film. And then we talked about sex robots. I really enjoyed that conversation. I don't know why all the sex stuff stands out in my mind. I, I feel very strongly about sex and sex education for kids because I feel like it is connected to a whole host of social issues and problems that if we just did a little better when people were young, we wouldn't have, like, these issues. So I really enjoyed the sex robot conversation. Jason, I don't know if you listened to that because you refused to listen to any episode that you are not on. Um, but <laughs> it was it was season two and it was it was really great. It asked a lot of questions that I hadn't really thought of as far as like sex robots as a therapeutic tool and uh, what does it mean to act out, to play act with a sex robot? Does that influence your behavior or your ideas? I thought that was really fascinating. And then Brett came on to talk to us about sex ed that he's doing yeah. in Seattle, which I really loved that episode. We've had a bunch of guest stars over the last couple of years, like which, and they've all been wonderful, first of all, because we don't have non-wonderful people on, but wh- who sticks out to you? Like which guest star episode do you remember and be like, that was a great freaking conversation? I, I thought the conversation with Joy was great. There was a lot of passion in that conversation, not all in the same direction. And I just felt like, and really the three of you, the two of you and and Joy were asking really good, tough questions and really challenging each other. And I I just found it, I I loved going back and listening to that episode. I I thought it was, there was just like this edge to it. And and like we've been saying, no one was disrespectful. I mean, there wasn't, it wasn't nasty, but like there was kind of an edge to it that I thought was really cool. I really like the episode we did with Deborah on um, kids' books. That what was you fun. took yours? I was gonna <laughs> say that I should have was first. <laughs> Go ahead. And I and also I um and I also really I really enjoyed our first conversation with Rosani, the spirituality conversation. I felt like there were lots of little things popping off in that conversation with different people. 
finding different nuggets in. I thought that was a really, really fun and kind of just stimulating conversation. I was also going to say, Deborah, and our discussion about literature, I was riveted the entire time. Yeah, uh, but you took mine, and my second, my <laughs> second one was going to be our spirituality conversation with Rosenny, but then you took that too. I loved talking to Lindsay about cooking, just because Lindsay was so good on the podcast. Like she made me excited about something that you know at the time pre-COVID I wasn't really excited about. So I I really love that, and I want to give a special mention to both Alonzo and Udita who recorded episodes with us, but through my own technological malfeasance, the episodes were lost. And uh, I know this is very rude listeners, but they were really great episodes. Sorry, you take my word for it. Uh, and we'd love to have them back. Now yeah, we now have, we yeah. have to. Those so, were know. really good conversations. Those I were mean, great I, conversations. I, thinking, I, I wanted to say the one with Alonzo is one of the ones I remember that I was like, wait, we never posted it. it but that, <laughs> no one I learned it. a lot about museums and, and I, I thought it was great. Well, you know what? We'll definitely have Alonzo back on because now what museums are is so different from when we had that conversation. So I think that'd be really great. And also in terms of a conversation where there was just new information downloaded is definitely Cordell's episode on opera. And opera. That, yeah, uh, I yes. learned so much about that. black people in opera. Yeah, actually. I don't think I even understood opera in general. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. I don't know if you remember, but I remember where I was like, can you just make the case for opera for a second? I was like, why does, and, and I met, you know, he said like, this is the, you know, the highest performance that a vocalist can achieve. And I, I just never thought about that before. And I was like, wow, it, it really is. Mad props to Marcy for just yeah. being such a fantastic advocate for nonprofits and that space and the value of them. And also the first time she was on talking about the Women's March yes. uh, in Washington at the beginning of Trump's presidency was talking about her experience being there was really great. So and also I want to I want to give a shout out to Sharice. Jason, your your friend Sharice who came in mm -hmm. to talk about being a light-skinned black woman. I thought it was definitely courageous of her to put that out there. You know, and I think, I mean, as a black person, like listening to her experience, like there was things that I could track and there were things that I did not track, but like listening back to it, I was like, she really put herself out there in a public format, talking about something that was really personal, which is different from what we usually have people come on and do. Yeah. Uh, that, that was commendable. I don't know if I would have gone on someone else's podcast to talk about like my personal feelings about my race and the way I interact. Like I don't, that would have felt like to be too revealing. So I really want to thank her for doing that. Oh God, we see, I said, which one's the best. I think we name checked everyone who's ever been on this podcast. <laughs> we, we talked about the value of them for us yeah. and what we hope the listener got out of it, which was that, you know what? People are doing amazing, interesting, yeah. fantastic things. And given the time and space, we want to know more. And so if you also, I'm doing a little ad, if you are doing something really interesting, have a passion that you want to share with us and our listeners, I'm ha we're happy to have you, you know, come on and talk about it because when someone really loves something, they can make you love it too. <laughs> and that's, that's definitely true, right? Like, uh, where do we go from here? Like, should we be doing anything differently? Season five, we're <laughs> so burning it all down. <laughs> what? What does that look like? 
<laughs> Season five, every episode will just be one hour of curse words. We just tear each other apart. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't like about you. you know what? I mean, it's so funny because like I'll I'll be I'll be really candid about this is that I I I've tried to be very cagey because I really like the space as as like my own space. You know, we've talked about this quite a bit of time about how do we want to enter this space? Do we want to enter it within our professional selves, our personal selves? Um, do we want to, do we want them to merge? And it feels like as time goes on, that separation is not possible anymore. It feels like you have to stand in your own truth. And that might mean that there's going to have to be an integration, right? You have to know where I work. You have to know what I represent. You have to know the things that I'm doing. I don't know. It just feels as if there's this awakening where there can't be a sense of retreat. I don't know if it's retreat or safety. I mean, I've often found it to be a real safe space to have um, different rooms that I enter and feel like I can be different things in those rooms. And now it feels like with Black Lives Matter and the, the, the sort of value of being yourself everywhere you are. So uh, just to be, to clear up, because I think you're referencing conversations that the three of us have constantly uh, is about how you use the space on the podcast as far as you know, we are fairly cagey about where we are, where we work, what do we do, what do we do all day. Not that this podcast is anonymous, but we are not as forthcoming with the things that we are doing outside of this podcast on the podcast. And so I'm just wondering about that. I'm, I feel like um, just in my own personal life, I feel like I'm stepping into a different space mentally. And I don't know if I need to hold those things separate anymore. I'm not sure. What I think about when I think about the future, and, and to be honest, I think about this before every episode, but I think I still have a lot of work to do. I find, not just in our conversations, but in general, I react to a lot of things. I resist a lot of things. I hear new ideas, and I, my knee-jerk reaction can be, why do I disagree with that? Here's why I disagree with that. I find I do that sometimes in our recordings, and I, I wanna, I'm trying to find the balance between being open and responding without either A, just going along with things, or B, resisting things. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's something I'm really trying to work on internally, and I feel like our conversations are an opportunity for me to practice that and get better at it, and I have work to do. This podcast has really helped me not to be so explosive. Right around the time we started this, like season one, like I would be out somewhere and someone would say something. You know, Remember, we started this as Trump was campaigning. You know, people would disagree with me and I could feel like a heat like that started behind my belly button, like in my chest. And I would just get like a fury that anyone would disagree with me. And I would say this podcast has really helped me to sort of like lay that out because like my reaction was to like to be furious and just immediately discount what people were saying. And I really wouldn't work through it. And, you know, that was lame because it shortchanged me the ability to grow. So so thank you both for that. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. I don't yeah. know that I would have known that to that extent. Yeah. Oh God, it was like bad. Like I would, I would see red. Like I'd literally, like I'm pretty sure, like my eyes went red, like the blood, and it it took a real calming down to be like this person has a different opinion, and it's not even that different. They're just not parroting what you're saying, and that's fine, Chris. Like, listen. And you two help me with that because sometimes you guys come up with some just some straight up bullshit. <laughs> and it's, I have to remind myself that, like, you know, it's because I love and respect you both that I'm automatically in a place of listening here. And, and I, I try to bring that outside as that's well. That's true. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think that's actually the care 
that people have been trying to, I think that's the, that was the impetus for us trying to have this comp, this podcast was the notion of taking care so that you can be open when somebody says something that may get your dander up. Um, but at the base of it, we do love and care about each other and we trust that the intentions are good. So I think we can actually have uncomfortable conversations at times. And that's something that's really missing is a kind of baseline sense of care with other people. I, I will say, Trisha, I think, you, and this is probably why everyone's team Trisha, you're really good at having and articulating convictions at the same time as not, I don't know, like the way you disagree is, it's powerful and it's impressive. Tell my sister that. She's like, hello, I can't disagree with you because you're so reasonable in the disagreement. <laughs> but <laughs> But doesn't that come full circle, right? That like a disagreement doesn't about like it's not a, a Mortal Kombat match. Like someone doesn't end up bloodied and bruised on the ground. Like there, there's a conversation and you figure it out together. A very nurturing space. I get to be Trisha because you all allow me to be Trisha, and I make that room. You make the room for it, and I, and I take the room. And so I think that's really important. We joke a lot about it, and I always say Black women are awesome, which we are. Not everybody gives us that space to be all of ourselves and bring our full intelligence, wit and charm and all the crazy parts of us into the mix. And I think I feel like I can do that here. So I have to thank you both for that as well. Coming on this fun ride together. I'm shocked that this went on for a hundred episodes. Not that I thought that we would stop between Jason leaving to go work for Trump. Oh, and then for letting us- me come back. That was good. <laughs> I, yeah, that was, that was big. Uh, between that <laughs> struggling to make the schedule work, you don't need to, all of you don't need to know how the sausage gets made, but the editing of these two. <gasps> well, that's what we really need to thank you, Chris, because there's no question. Something. Chris spends many more hours on this podcast than listening to our the damn two of voices. us do. I, I you two are with me all the time. you your voices in my ears all the time, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I really wouldn't. I I I'm so I have such a great model of what friends look like. And I've been very, very lucky. And I hope that I hope that whoever's listening to this like has friends that they can talk to about issues of the day and then talk bullshit with, you know, like both <laughs> highbrow and lowbrow. And uh, and yeah, I hope that's what this leaves people with. I'm so looking forward to season five because yes, when we're all in autonomous zones and the atmosphere <laughs> is just on fire, you know what I mean? Just burning away into space. I, I look forward to laughing and disagreeing with both of you. So that's the end of the fourth season. So I am so proud of you two. Thank you for Thank you. this. On that note. Woohoo! Things just keep getting better. Bye, everybody. Bye. Uh,